everybody, welcome to my podcast, Pension Trends Plus with Atara, bringing you up-to-date information on pension funds, security class action litigation, and all things related to your portfolio, and some life stuff as well. I am Atara Hirsch-Torsky, securities class action attorney at AF&T in New York City. Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Sherry Menor McNamara to my show. It would not be an exaggeration to say that Sherry is a trailblazer and a visionary in her field. Since 2013, Sherry has served as the president and CEO of the Hawaiian Chamber of Commerce. Sherry is the youngest and first female president in the chamber's 170-year history, as well as the first Asian to serve as the leader of a state chamber. Sherry has lived all over the world, including Tokyo, New York City, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, and London, working for a wide variety of Fortune 100 companies as well as 60 Minutes News Magazine. Her government-related work includes positions with the Hawaii State Legislator, U.S. Senators, and the Executive Office of the United States President. Sherry is a graduate of UCLA, earned a graduate degree from USC, and also earned a certificate in expanding impact and advocacy from the Harvard Kennedy School of Education. As if this wasn't enough, she also has a JD and an MBA. Rounding off her education, Sherry is a certified yoga instructor and loves to golf and travel. Welcome, Sherry, to our show. I am so happy to have you. How are you today? Aloha. Thank you for having me here today. Well, I mean, listen, you're making the rest of us look bad because you are involved (laughs) in so many different things and so many important projects. So I'm really excited to be speaking to you. I'm so impressed and I'm I'm excited. And what also strikes me about you is, you know, when I when I saw your interview on CNN recently and just listened to you speak, you're just you're also a lovely, humble person. So that's really just so nice for women. I think I said to you right before we went on, you know, I had my young daughter. Um, I, I sat her down. I was like, look at this amazing person, because I think you're just a role model for little girls everywhere to see that you can get to the top. You can do it nicely um, and you can really have a rich and, and varied career trajectory. So tell us a little bit about your journey. I know that you're CEO of the Hawaiian Chamber of Commerce, which is no small feat. And I really want to discuss that and what's been going on in, in the world today and how you've been impacted. But I, I also want you to tell us a little about your journey and how you got there. So start with, you know, where you began and where your interests lay when you were younger. Sure. So I would be remiss if I didn't bring up my parents who provided me the values and the work ethic that led me to where I am. Uh, My mom was born and raised in Japan, uh, moved to Hawaii without knowing anyone, not knowing English. uh, And despite those obstacles, she still managed to open up her own travel business. Uh, And 42 years later, she still has that business. And as you can imagine, it is challenging during this time um, because COVID has obviously impacted that industry. Um, And running a small business definitely has its challenges. So it's been multiplied. But, you know, she has persevered through many other obstacles and challenges. So she still uh, she still has her doors open. Uh, and putting her in her grit and endurance. So we're really proud of her, but that's where I'm proud that she uh, has provided those values. Uh, as my dad's side, uh, his grandparents immigrated from the Philippines, uh, came to Hawaii, worked in the sugarcane fields, uh, and raised six kids. Uh, and each child actually uh, served in the public sector, whether it's through um, uh, in government as a public school teacher, 
uh, as a secretary for the Veteran Affairs. Uh, so again, the work ethic was strong, uh, and their their uh, uh, value was to tell their kids that you have to always think about helping others and helping the greater good. Uh, and they they had humble beginnings. They grew up on a farm, uh, yeah, and grew their own vegetables, own fruit, um, own own uh, protein. Uh, so we spent a lot of summers there helping out whether it's cracking macadamia wow. <laughs> and going to the uh, small little town to sell them. So we had our work cut out definitely. So you got your hands really dirty, like in the thick of it. <laughs> and so you, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you know, I think those experiences have um, helped me through my own challenges as I went on to college so my mom um, raised three kids pretty much on her own and she encouraged well not encouraged more than encouraged she acquired <laughs> it wasn't an option not to go to college I imagine exactly. in your house <laughs> she said well you're not staying in Hawaii not because you Hawaii doesn't have a good university which it has a wonderful um uh, and well-known university, but she just wanted us to have this world experience and meet new people, uh, face our challenges on our own. And so that's why each child went to the mainland uh, to attend college. Uh, and from there, you know, I would say I didn't have a straight career path. I know some have a, um, they know what they want, they want, and they go for it. But um, I knew what I wanted in high school, but as soon as I went to college, that all changed. And so my, I would describe my career path as a windy road. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And quite frankly, uh, I felt lost. Um, I didn't find that passion. Uh, so I just kept jumping from one experience to the other, moving from one location to the other, and kind of went with the flow. In LA, I worked uh, in the entertainment industry, then moved to New York. And, uh, you know, of course, there's fashion and beauty industries, so ended up finding a job there, then with BC, did a couple of stints there. Uh, and then I got this job uh, in Japan to work for two years. And uh, I thought that was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, and because my mom was there, I understood the culture. And did you speak the language? I did, a uh, very basic. Uh, oh, okay, job. so you weren't fluent, <laughs> but you were able to just yeah. get by, okay. Yeah, I understood it more than uh, I could speak it. Uh, but the thing is, my coworkers wanted to practice their English, so <laughs> I couldn't really practice my Japanese. But um, you know, it was it was a wonderful experience. Uh, it was a shocker in terms of the corporate culture at that time uh, when I worked in Japan. Uh, you know, it wasn't as progressive. Uh, women were seen in a different role, uh, so I, I, it was difficult. Um, uh, fortunately, my project was based in Hawaii, so I could go back and forth. Uh, and what so were you was, doing there? What was your role there? Sure, I worked for a Sony Corporation in sports marketing. Ah, I love that. Uh, and it was a time when uh, Sony took over as the title presenting sponsor for the uh, uh, Sony Open, the golf tournament. And so it was, it was a good opportunity. Um, but after two years, I thought, you know what, I'm ready to go back home. So, yeah, not quite home to Hilo, which is more of a small town community uh, and living in big cities. I kind of wanted to, to live in similar, but um, going back home to, I moved back to Honolulu. Uh, and during that time, I had 
I didn't have a job. I didn't know what to do. And that's when I decided to go back to school. Uh, went to get my JD and MBA degrees. Uh, and during that time, I worked two jobs. And one job was at the Hawaii State Legislature. And you know what, Altara, I think it was that time I found my passion because I saw how the public policy making process worked, how important the input is of different stakeholders uh, and how policies get shaped because of that. And so uh, I knew right away that I did not want to practice law, but rather do something in government affairs. So uh, as I was nearing graduation, I ended up sending my resumes to different law firms. Just because you needed a job at that point. Exactly. Uh, Law firms that had government affairs uh, departments that did lobbying. So I ended up sending out my resumes to various law firms. Uh, No one called me back, uh, except one. Uh, She said, I don't have a position, but I would love to get to know you and meet you. So we had coffee and we just talked and uh, lo and behold, next day she said, you know what, Sherry, there's an opportunity at the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii. And I'm like, okay, Chamber of Commerce, what is that? You're like, what do they do? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And lobby, lobby. you know, even I work at the Hawaii State Legislature, I didn't have that much direct interaction with lobbyists and um, these organizations. But as I did the research, uh, and their mission was to advocate for business, uh, and 80% of their membership was small business, I just kind of aligned immediately because of my mom, who had a small, or who has a small car. So it brought it close to home for you. Right, exactly, exactly. So. You know, I took the job and that was in 2006. And about 2012, uh, the board said it was time for a transition. Uh, and so they approached me whether or not I wanted to take that job as president and CEO. And initially I didn't because I was so comfortable with where I was. That's what you were doing. You knew your routine. <laughs> right. right, exactly. And also I had the opportunity to shape the program the way I wanted to. So. Uh, it was, it was great because I could introduce new initiatives and uh, really elevate the advocacy department. But then I took a step back and I said, well, I can make an impact this way, but can I make a broader impact? Uh, and so that's when I decided, you know what, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for that challenge. I've never managed a team. I've never managed a budget. I've never worked with the board, board of directors. So these were all firsts for me, but you know, I. Going back to the values uh, and the work ethic, I said, I'm just going to go for it. And that was in 2013. And seven years later, I am still here. (laughs) And by far the most challenging time uh, in my uh, term at the Chamber of Commerce. Yes, I I would imagine. You know, I want to just stop for a moment and just... um, discuss for a second I think what's so powerful about your story and I wonder if you even notice it as you retell it is you know you you talk about not really having a path early on and really being confused and I think so many young people um, particularly women but probably you know men too boys uh, when they're 18 19 20 through you know your early 20s you're in school and you think oh my god what am I going to do I feel like I'm in school for this but am I really supposed to be here and I think what's so nice about your story is 
the winding road that you detail and how you ended up really not feeling comfortable in all these amazing cities and all these amazing jobs and still saying, I didn't find what I wanted to do. And then suddenly finding it almost like without realizing it, right? You know, when you were in school getting getting this part-time job. So I think that's really encouraging for other young people to see, you know, we're in such a wonderful country where you don't have to decide, you know, at 17 what you're going to do. You can keep reinventing yourself, you know, you can reinvent yourself at 30, at 40, at 50, and and you've really shown that. So I I think that's really a great part of your story. Yeah, definitely. Uh, And each, each opportunity presented its own challenges. You learn from that and you bring that with you to your next opportunity. So uh, like you said, you know, you never stop learning, right? You never stop taking challenges. And that's how you grow uh, uh, as an individual and that's how you grow as a community and uh, make a broader impact. So I wanna talk a little bit about um, COVID and how it's affected the Hawaiian economy. I I think I I saw you say on CNN that the economy in Hawaii would likely not recover till I think you had said maybe a huge amount of time, right? So is that um, really how you're seeing it? And, and, and is there a way that you can reinvent the economy to like shorten that span? Yeah, when the Hero, which is our economic organization, Hawaii, came out that it's going to take about 10 years to recover just because tourism industry has been the number one industry for an extremely long time. So we've been so reliant on that industry. And tourism dollar goes a long way. It's not only centralized in Waikiki or uh, on each island where all the visitors go, but it expands beyond that to downtown and all around the state. Uh, And that's how impactful COVID has been. Um, Overnight, we saw a, a huge drop in visitors. I mean, any given day, it was 30,000 visitors. Now, we only saw that number, gosh, in a quarter. Uh, so it's definitely having a trickle-down impact on many of our small and local businesses, whether they're retail, restaurants, uh, accommodations, attractions, even personal services. Uh, so it, it's, um, you know, I, I think we're going to see more of a downturn, unfortunately. Before it gets better, it will get worse, you think? Exactly, exactly, because right now, uh, tourism is here, but there's a mandate. So you have to have uh, be in quarantine for 14 days uh, before you can actually go out of your hotel room. Uh, and so, you know, and plus confidence in traveling. So it, it's been... Uh, again, a challenging uh, and a very dismal time for our state, just because we've been so reliant on the industry. Uh, And also, uh, our government has pushed back the reopening of tourism uh, a few times already. And each time a date is announced, businesses uh, gear up to prep for the opening, and then they're forced to shut down again. Uh, When we did a survey, about 60% said they cannot reopen until tourism reopens. Uh, so as each day goes by, that becomes even more uh, dire uh, for many of these businesses. Uh, and as when we, when we do reopen, it's not gonna go back to pre-COVID days immediately. It's gonna take a while to rebuild uh, what it was. Uh, so, you know, I think we're gonna, it's gonna take a, it's a long road ahead of us. And, 
So that's why it's critically important during this time to start thinking about what other industry can we invest in. And we've been talking for so long here about economic diversification. I think now more than ever, there's going to be a focused effort on ensuring that we can invest in different industries, such as manufacturing, such as energy, agriculture. So there are opportunities um, out there. It's a matter of now shaping the policies to ensure that we can cultivate those industries so that we can pivot some of those in the hospitality industry to work in these different industries and train them for their skill sets. So here at the Chamber, uh, we've uh, launched a number of initiatives. One of them is hawaiiishiring.com. Uh, it's a one-stop job center where, uh, website where job seekers can look for different jobs available. Now, it's not nearly as many as 200,000 plus uh, unemployed. Of course. You know, but it, it, whatever you can do to restore jobs and get people back to work uh, will help us start um, paving the path for economic recovery. Uh, and so, yeah, we launched a website and it's also a website where it offers training resources so that they can retrain, they can upscale for uh, higher paying jobs, uh, for quality jobs. Uh, and even pre-COVID, there was, we've, there was a challenge because the cost of living here has been uh, continuing to increase but yet the jobs and the high paying jobs were not there. So we've definitely had a challenge, challenges, uh, especially for our working families. Um, and so there were some efforts uh, being made at the legislature to address that. And then COVID hit. Uh, so you can imagine the compounding uh, impact it has had on these families. Uh, so it's gonna take a multi approach, multi-pronged approach to get out of this. First, we have to continue to invest in tourism and do everything we can to restore the confidence in traveling, as well as having this really deep dive um, conversations and finding solutions and policies to cultivate these new industries uh, and finding other initiatives to support uh, those unemployed as well as small businesses that are right now on the brink. So are you worried about the government needing to raise taxes to do, to cover decrease in revenues coming from the drop in the economic activity? Absolutely. You know, uh, a lot of our taxes, general excise taxes from the visitor industry. And so to balance the budget, government has to find it from somewhere. And we've been encouraging uh, now, especially now, cannot raise taxes in any which way, any form, because that will just have a debilitating impact on businesses. And there's no way, especially our small businesses can survive that. Uh, if anything, look at your own budget, see where you can cut uh, and, um, and take that approach first before you do anything to businesses. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, I know government has their challenges, uh, and at the same time, and I think even more so, businesses uh, are looking at a very dismal outlook in the near term, but hopefully together. And that's why partnerships and collaborative efforts would be even more critical during this time to support one another, to find solutions together and move uh, and create our path forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm curious, uh, what are the demographics in Hawaii? Like, are the young people moving in? Because this certainly affects money coming into you know the economy into the pension fund system so what's what's the demographic looking like 
Well, unfortunately, for the past couple of years, we've been seeing a decline in our population. Because of the high cost of living, uh, many, uh, and especially the younger population, been moving to the mainland to find better opportunities. So again, pre-COVID, there were already challenges uh, and in terms of economic diversification, as well as high paying jobs, quality jobs. Uh, and so because of that, there has been a decline in the population. Uh, and so it's, you know, we're gonna have to do everything to bring them back. Uh, and that's why it is critical to find collaborative efforts where we can have these connections between the mainland and here uh, and shape these opportunities so that we can have our talented ones who are working, let's say, for tech companies on the mainland and moving back. Uh, because I think technology now is playing a role that allows that. So uh, why not take advantage of that and bring our talent back home? Right. I mean, it's interesting. You know, change, you and I know, comes from challenging moments in, our, in everyone's lives. That's where the greatest change come. Um, so, you know, just thinking out loud, because of the technology and, and the ability to see that we can actually work outside of our office space and in more creative ways and in more creative spaces, I mean, probably that would be a good way to get people to come back to Hawaii saying, you know, you can work remotely and you can do all the technological stuff that your company requires from the comfort of your home and looking out into this beautiful, you know, you have such beautiful land and it's just such mm -hmm. a beautiful place. Why wouldn't so many people, especially young people, want to come back and, and, and put their footing there? Right. And so it definitely presents those types of opportunities. And even those that are not from Hawaii uh, but can work remotely, why not come to Hawaii and spend a few weeks here? A month or two, why not? <laughs> yeah, with the ocean in the background. and Especially know, if your kids aren't in schools or remotely in schools. <laughs> Right, exactly. Uh, so, you know, it, I, it's something about Hawaii, and I am biased because I am from here, but living on, you know, all over and just getting off that plane as soon as you arrive in uh, Honolulu or on the other islands, it just, there is a different air to it. It's a different energy and just step off and dress level. Just Yes, I think that's true. I mean, listen, I think you're like one of the number one uh, honeymoon spots, right? Hawaii. Yeah. So I, I'm curious regarding like the climate change. Have have you seen um, climate change in Hawaii? Has that have you actually seen the effects of those changes? Uh, yes, uh, maybe not to scale of other places, but uh, definitely that has been a uh, one of the top issues here. Uh, we do have an aggressive uh, clean energy goal. That is 100% clean energy or renewable energy by 2045. Uh, so there's been um, some ambitious efforts to introduce policies to uh, help fulfill that, uh, as well as policies that mm, sometimes can be challenging because it imposes mandates on businesses. Uh, and take, for example, the ban on plastic. Uh, we did uh, support it. Uh, but in a way that will implement the ban in an incremental way so that businesses will not be forced to change their inventory in three months. Uh, and right now we are advocating to push back that deadline because as you can imagine, let's say a local restaurant here having all that inventory and having to buy more of um, the, the supplies that they need to buy now as it relates to non-plastic uh, is presenting challenging challenges because of the supply. So we're working on that. 
so again, there's been some um, aggressive policies that have been introduced and some have passed, some haven't. Uh, in Hawaii, there are opportunities to for clean energy. Uh, and so that's why there's been more uh, interest in that area, more investments in that area. We have an accelerator here called Elemental Accelerator that um, finds different startup companies to work on um, products that will help promote clean energy here in Hawaii and, of course, export it um, to other places. Yeah, because I would imagine, you know, preserving the natural beauty of Hawaii is of utmost importance to you. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and so there's been different projects here. Uh, some have faced obstacles, whether it's the windmills or uh, underground sea cables. Uh, so there's different uh, projects that are in the works. Uh, so, you know, that will continue. And that's where I think the when it comes to economic diversification, we, can, we will find opportunities in that industry. Yeah, I, I think I'm also attracting, I want to just go back, you had mentioned, you know, University of Hawaii, it's such a wonderful school. And I think attracting the younger demographic to Hawaii to stay in Hawaii and, and to become um, public servants and work as teachers and hospital workers and um, thereby, you know, increasing the public pension fund systems money and all of that will do really well for, for Hawaiians everywhere. Absolutely. You know, again, while tourism industry will be our number one industry and we can't just ignore it and pivot immediately to other industries, uh, we need to start finding these opportunities for our uh, younger generation to move back or to stay at home and be invested in their community to help our state uh, get on a path of sustainability as well as a path of growth and a path of opportunities. And so I think that's the message that needs to be resonated with that population. Uh, and right now, I think we, there's an opportunity to get these, that population to come together and help us find these solutions. Uh, and the University of Hawaii is definitely an institution that uh, is providing those opportunities through different programs uh, especially with the Shiler College of Business, uh, as well as other programs that they have. Uh, we're, we're all, as the saying goes, we're all in this together. And here in Hawaii, we need to paddle the canoe together, uh, help us get on track. Um, so, you know, I think we all have to tell our story, be invested, and do this for the greater good. And it goes back to what my grandparents said. You know, you have to always think about public good, the greater good in any decision you make. It's so true. It's It can't only be about yourself and your immediate world. It, ha it has to be larger than that. And um, I think, well, Sherry, with you at the helm, I, I have confidence that um, you're really going to make a difference for businesses everywhere. I want to talk a little bit about, I know you're a certified yoga teacher, so tell me how you got into that, because I, I know so many people love that and, and meditate. I meditate twice a day. I, so tell us a little about that. Sure. So I love to exercise, um, not um, just because it helped me mentally and spiritually. So I started hot yoga back in, gosh, 2007, I believe. And I did it for six years. Uh, then I started to get a little tired of it. <laughs> so I wanted to vary uh, my routine. So I joined another yoga community. 
and I, I, I don't know, it would just help me in my mental state. Uh, so I would get up at 3.45 in the morning, go to the, yeah, do some work, and then go to the yoga class. So I had a routine, uh, and I saw how much of an impact it has had on me as well as um, on others as well. And so that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to try and do this. I'm going to do this. Uh, and it wasn't easy. <laughs> uh, it took a lot. It's nightly classes. Uh, and But it it helped me become more disciplined. It helped me become more focused. Uh, and it helped me become more calm uh, during turbulent times. Uh, so it's about, it was about a, a six-month program. And that's when I decided, okay, it was a six-month program. Uh, and I got my certificate, but I did didn't have time to teach. <laughs> so you haven't you haven't actually taught any classes. No. <laughs> After COVID, you got to get. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. But what? How are you practicing yoga? Like, are you just doing it? You know, on your in your bedroom now with a YouTube? Like, what are you doing? So I do, I do with an app, and then also I've uh, incorporated other types of exercises. Uh, I'm one of those that suckered into getting a Peloton bike. Oh, yes. My <laughs> husband wants one of those. <laughs> yeah, it actually, uh, because our gym in our condo, is, uh, I will say, you know, it's a huge investment, but it, it's so far so worth it. I've done the bike, done the treadmill, and I've also done the floor exercises. So it's, again, you, know, you get so used to just doing one routine that, uh, not get challenged and so I thought I need to start incorporating other types of exercises but uh, that's one thing I am disciplined and uh, that I will always have that in my routine is to exercise and that helps me kick off the day I'm in a better mood absolutely no I mean it, it's actually proven you know it, it increases the serotonin in your brain when you exercise so it's fantastic um, I'm curious do you meditate because I know a lot of yoga people do meditate Actually, I just started to, and it's it's a game changer, even if it's for five minutes. So uh, I've been meditating right before going to sleep, uh, and I try to do it first thing in the morning as well. So I I have to stay more focused and more disciplined and adding that to my... Uh, yeah, no, especially nowadays, you really need something um, to center you. And I think, you know, whatever it is, different things work for different people, whether it's the yoga, the meditation, the bike riding, but everybody needs to have something. And, you know, I have a lot of friends, we, we have kids and we're like, oh, we're so busy, we can't. But I, I always like try to remind myself and, and then tell my friends, if you don't take time for yourself, you really aren't a good mother. You're not a good at work. You're just not good at anything. If you're not giving yourself, you know, that time to really do self care. Absolutely. You need that me time. <laughs> That's what I tell others whenever I talk with other women. Uh, and they say, well, I, I don't have the time. There's always time. It doesn't have to be one hour. Even if it's just for five minutes, take time for yourself. Because if you invest in yourself and you feel good about yourself, then it just resonates with other people. And um, it has an impact on your work. Um, I don't want to let you go just without uh, one more question. I, I know that you put together a group of business women leaders. Is that recently in yeah. the time? Yeah, tell us a little about that. Yeah, so it's something that has always been on my mind. And uh, two of my uh, colleagues and friends, uh, we just start talking story and say, what can we do? Because obviously COVID has had a, a, a broader impact on women women-owned businesses especially. 
uh, and working women. And so it just felt that even though this has been an issue pre-COVID, that women have not had the opportunities uh, compared to men, um, that it was time now. This was a time that can make a difference. So let's bring together other women uh, to have these thoughtful discussions and more than just discussions, but finding solutions and also finding an advocacy uh, voice so that collaboratively we can do this together and support one another because it's not going to be an easy road ahead of us. I mean, many trailblazers, many women have been staunch advocates in ensuring that women are treated equally and that they uh, are well represented. Uh, so, you know, the more we can do to add to that voice, uh, hopefully the more we can make a significant impact. So we started about a month and a half ago. And I will tell is even though it's been only a month and a half ago, bringing these uh, voices from different perspe uh, industries, different perspectives into a room, Zoom room. A Zoom room, uh, <laughs> but yeah. a room nonetheless, <laughs> right. It, it, it's been very um, invigorating and very refreshing and just this new level of energy, wanting to do more to support women. So each session we find a different topic we, uh, we need to focus on and work together in finding uh, possible solutions and then growing from there. Oh, I love that. And I'd love to be part of that. It sounds so amazing. And it's really so important for, like you say, women to support women and, and really to make an impact. And, and we can do that now because it's a, it's a strange time, but it's a tr time where people have, in a sense, become more mobilized to really get things done that they might have put on the back burner before this, right? Right. Absolutely. You, that's the correct word. You nailed it. It's mobilizing efforts. And we're seeing more of that on many uh, fronts. Uh, but that would be a critical uh, way of impacting change in our communities, in our state, and in our nation. Yeah. Well, Sherry, it has been a pleasure. You are really just such an interesting person all around. And I'm, I'm really happy to have gotten this time to get to know you. So thanks for coming on my show. And I look forward to speaking and, and hopefully meeting you in person in Hawaii someday soon. Yes, please do. <laughs> I hope things will get better. That way you can come back, come to Hawaii, visit. I'll be more than happy to uh, show you where the best Mai Tai is. Oh, I can hardly wait. <laughs>